Good morning, church. I'm Baby Mohani from the Vona Valley Life Group, led by Emmanuel and Trifina. Actually, the best life group. <laughs> okay, I'm going to, our Bible reading will be from Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Not about your body, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil. Sorry. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in, into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all this, all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is, the, is its own trouble. This is the word of God. Just before we come to that passage, I'm sure that a, a long shadow has been cast over um, all of life at the moment, and particularly the service by the events in the Middle East. And so I think it will be appropriate for us as we come to God's word, which is, of course is the only source of life and hope and peace that we have in this world. As we come to his word, let us remember what's happening uh, there in particular. So won't you join with me in a word of prayer. Father, we, we, we've seen the images, we've read the reports, and we are horrified at what is happening uh, the inhumanity of man to man. Uh, Father, we, we see these things and they are a window into the human soul. And we acknowledge that we have a share in what is happening there by our own sin. Father, this is the human condition in its most depraved. This is where we end up. And so, Father, all we can do is weep with those who are weeping, mourn with those who are mourning, and cry out to you for mercy. Will you be merciful? Will you, will you restrain the violence? Will you um, restrain the desire for revenge? The bloodlust that is in all of us. Father, will you intervene? Because we know it's going to take an act of God to bring a halt to what is happening there. And so we pray that you'll be merciful to a lost and desperate people. 
we pray in the name of the Prince of Peace. We know that it is only he who can make a difference. He has disrupted the cycle of violence. A violence threw everything it had at him and he rose. And so we, we call out to you in his name and we ask by his blood, will you bring an end to the inhumanity of man to man? Father, we pray for peace and we pray that you would make us ambassadors of peace. Make us into peacemakers because of the great peacemaker, our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. So we're going to change gear now um, from very global events to what's going on in our own backyard every day. From the from the 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 strange and the unusual and the extraordinary and the awful things that are playing out on uh, a global stage to the things that are every day and common to us. And the wonderful thing about the gospel is that it's relevant to it all. We think about Josie. Many of us here came to Josie to make a living. If, uh, if you grew up in Josie, it's probably because your parents or their parents came here to make a living. It's been that way since the very beginning. People came here for the gold in the ground. No one ever came here for the river or the mountain or for the culture. They came for the mine dump. People came here to make a living. And I don't mean that in any kind of negative sense. Uh, of course, there's greed involved, but I just mean coming here to make a living. The hustle. Making ends meet. That's what Josie's all about. We know this. It's all hustle. This town is 100% hustle. You can feel it in the air. And it is stressful. I'm sure you don't need to be convinced. Living like this, running on this wheel, chasing what everyone else is chasing, is stressful. Most of us here this morning are stressed. Uh, we don't need to take the survey. You've been hustling all week. Saturday was another hustle. Monday's coming, sorry to remind you. It's stressful. It keeps you up at night. How am I going to make this happen? How am I going to pay those school fees? How am I going to afford petrol this month when another increase is coming? I've got five suppliers beating down my door. I can pay three. Who am I going to pay? Of course, there are more stressful cities to live in. Cities like Gaza or Khartoum or Kiev. There are more stressful cities, but not many. Into the dust and the breathless panic of our city comes Jesus with a word for his disciples. Do not be anxious. That's his message. That's the message of this passage. He uses that word anxious six times in nine verses. Three times he says it explicitly. Do not be anxious. Immediately we have to be careful because anxious anxiety, these are loaded terms in our culture, of course. 
we live in a culture, in a society where many people suffer deeply, struggle enormously from anxiety disorders. And then on the other hand, there's also evidence showing that it's become fashionable to self-diagnose or to fake a mental health issue for the attention and the special treatment that it brings. This faking even has a label. It's called malingered psychopathology. Been practicing that all night. I don't know why we can't just call it faking, but there you go. Now, the point is not really to go down that whole rabbit hole. We just want to be careful not to read our version of anxiety into what Jesus is saying. Let's rather focus on how he uses the word when he speaks to his disciples. When he says, do not be anxious, he is saying, do not be fixated, obsessed, preoccupied. Do not let this be your deepest and only concern. That's what he's saying. Now, I'm sure there's some overlap with anxiety as defined by modern psychology, but they're not exactly the same thing. So we just have to be careful. We have to know ourselves, and we have to be clear on what Jesus is and isn't saying, what he is and isn't talking about. That said, let's begin at the beginning. Let's begin with the first word, and the first word, if you have a look there, verse 25, is therefore. To state the obvious, that word links what Jesus says here, what he's saying this morning, to what he said before, last week. What did he say before? If you were with us last week, he said, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't. You have to choose. Either you worship money or you worship God. You can't have it both ways. You can't bring them together under one roof and think you're going to help them to get along. You are not. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, worshipping money looks different depending on where you are on the income distribution. There are different ways to obsess about having more. You can obsess about having more when you have a lot. You can obsess about having more when you have a little. If we were to put it in general terms, and it is a generalization, the rich man's obsession with more is called greed. The poor man's obsession with more is called anxiety. Both, and Jesus deals with both, immediately after each other, it's one unit, it's one message he's sharing, both are a failure to trust and worship God alone. That's his message. And that should remind us, just as an aside, that the God of money is never satisfied. Never satisfied. No matter how much you have, you will always want more. And no matter how much you have, the one true God, if money is your God, the one true God is just there to help you get more. He's just there to help you with the hustle. He's the support staff. He's the lesser God serving the greater God called money. He is Hermes serving Zeus, Yahweh serving Mammon. It's almost blasphemous to say it out loud. Jesus is putting his finger on that nerve. And it is a nerve, isn't it? Finally, we come, we are ready for today's passage. Three times he says it. Do not be anxious. Now, a child comes to you in the middle of the night and says, I'm worried because I can't sleep. 
What is the best way to make sure they don't get any sleep and you don't get any sleep? The best way is to say what? Stop worrying and go to sleep. In fact, I'm going to say it three times. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. I'm telling you, stop worrying. The moment you say that, what happens? They start worrying about worrying. They are anxious about being anxious. Our Heavenly Father knows us well enough to know that if He just says, don't be anxious, we will be anxious about being anxious. So He doesn't just say, don't be anxious. He says a whole lot more. He gives us reasons and remedies. Five reasons not to be anxious. Five remedies for when we are anxious. And now you're anxious that we're going to be here all day. Well, don't be. We're going to start with the reasons. Do not be anxious about your material needs because your father provides. Because it doesn't work. Because it doesn't fit. Because your father knows. And because you already have enough trouble. Those five reasons not to be anxious. Your father provides. Don't be anxious because it doesn't actually work. And don't be anxious because it doesn't fit. Your father knows and you already have enough trouble. Now the first thing, just as we scan down that list, the first thing to notice is that that list is a mix of big picture truth and also very practical, concrete, everyday wisdom. And of course when it comes to dealing with anxiety, we need both. And our Lord knows that we need both and so he gives us both. Do not be anxious about your material needs because, firstly, your Father provides. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus' argument comes in the second half of that verse, the the part we just read. Is not life more than food and the body more than More than clothing. In other words, God gave you life. God created your body. If he gave you life and he made your body, you can trust him to sustain your life and to feed your body for as long as you live. You are no accident. In love, your father made you. In love, he will provide for you. And the witness of everyone here, the mere fact that we are here, is that he does. He does. Secondly, do not be anxious about your material needs because it doesn't work. Verse 27. Which of you, by being more anxious, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour? hour to his span of life. This is wisdom. Do you see how practical it is? You cannot add a single step to the journey of your life by worrying. Not one. In the history of humanity, no one ever has. You cannot worry your way to food and clothing. You can work and plan your way to food and clothing, but worry doesn't contribute a single thing. In fact, worry keeps you from planning clearly 
and from working effectively. We know this from personal experience. Jesus is a very practical person. And he says to us, don't worry because it doesn't work. Thirdly, do not be anxious because it doesn't fit. Look at verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. The rest of Josie is obsessed with the hustle. But you are not a, you are not a citizen of Josie. You are not a citizen of Josie. You are a resident alien. Your primary residence, your residence of domicile is the kingdom of heaven. If you are a disciple of Jesus here this morning. Let me say that again because I think sometimes it fails to register. You are not, in the first place, a citizen of Josie. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And citizens of the kingdom are not obsessed with food and clothing. Of course they need food and clothing, but that's not their obsession. It's not their permanent preoccupation. They have another preoccupation. And that makes them different. Citizens of Josie, as we all know too well, will do anything and everything if it advances the hustle. I'm sure you've noticed this. I'm sure you've probably experienced this in the past week. There is an angle to every relationship. An ulterior motive, if you like. Every encounter is an opportunity to make money. I've actually had family members invite me to pyramid scheme presentations. Now, thankfully, because of my background, I've got a bit of a nose for pyramid schemes. But I sit there thinking to myself, how can you invite your family member to this thing? There is no way that this dishwashing liquid is better or cheaper than what I can buy in bulk from Macro. No way. You know it, and I know it. And you know... And I know that the real money comes from the subscription fee. And you are asking me to pay you for something that I can get cheaper and better elsewhere. We are related by blood. (laughs) That's what the hustle will do to you. You will extort your own mother if it advances the hustle. And of course, people bring that hustle into church. Into church life. And so the church is no longer a refuge from the world or a hospital for sinners. It becomes a marketing opportunity. It's a networking opportunity. That's what the hustle will do. That's what the world chases after. That is not fitting for citizens of the kingdom. We don't worry. We don't obsess in that way because it doesn't fit. That's not who we are. That's not who we've been made by our king, by the blood of our king. That is no longer our identity. You say to me, that's all well and good. But don't you know that I actually need food and clothing? Have you lost touch with reality? That brings us to the fourth reason, not to worry. Jesus says, do not be anxious because your father knows. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need 
them all. So you say, Royden, don't you know that I need these things? At some level I do, but let me go one better. Let me go one infinitely better. Your father knows. He knows. You have a father in heaven who knows what you need and he will provide. You don't need to worry. You don't need to stew in your anxiety. You are not alone in your struggles with need. You are not alone. Your father knows. That is a wonderful promise. It is a wonderful reality. And I I think we impoverish ourselves because we don't lean into it more in prayer, in meditation, in encouraging each other to remember that we have a father who knows. We We don't lay hold of this promise enough. But on the other side, we can also abuse it. And so we need to be careful. What Jesus is talking about here is need. The categories he mentions are food and clothing. Later on, the Apostle Paul, quoting his master, will instruct that the church, will say this to the church, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. He's just echoing his master. Food and clothing, those are our needs. And so if you are lying awake, stressing about the repayment on your Mercedes-Benz, Jesus being an eminently practical person, has some simple advice. Sell the thing. And buy a polo. If you are not interested in that, then I'm afraid you're on your own. Our Father knows our needs, but that doesn't mean we can insist on our wants. For those who are genuinely struggling with needs, Hear this and store it up in your heart. Treasure it. Lean on it. Pray it. Your father knows. He knows. And he doesn't know from a distance. The cross of Calvary tells us that he comes close in his knowledge of our needs. Your father knows. Final reason. Do not be anxious Because you already have enough trouble. Verse 34. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Again, it's so very practical. It's so very simple, and that's what makes it so powerful. You are going to be concerned about tomorrow's problems tomorrow. You will be. If you worry about them today, you double the worry. You double the anxiety with absolutely no benefit. None. We've already said that all the worry of your life, if you just cast your mind's eye over all the worry of your entire life as it accumulates, none of it has added a single step to your journey. None of it. Worry is a waste. Worrying about tomorrow is double the waste. You've already got your hands full dealing with today. You don't have any room for waste. You already have enough trouble. So don't worry. 
Jesus gives us some reasons not to be anxious. Your father provides. Don't be anxious because your father provides. Don't be anxious because it doesn't work and it doesn't fit. And your father knows and you already have enough trouble in this life today. Five compelling reasons not to worry. But he knows us. He knows his people. And so in his goodness, he also gives us five powerful remedies for when we do worry. Here they are. Look and learn from creation. Seek the kingdom. Stay in the present. Pray to the Father and care for each other. Five remedies for when we actually do worry. When we've lost sight of the reasons. When, when anxiety is pressed so far in that we are not reasonable. Five remedies to help us when we are trapped in that kind of anxiety. First reason. First remedy. Look and learn from creation. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And why are you anxious about clothing? Learn from the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Anxiety is a fixation. We get so obsessed with our material needs. That's all we see. It's a kind of a tunnel vision. And Jesus is calling us to lift our eyes. Lift your eyes. God made everything. And he made humanity as the pinnacle of everything that he has created to work it and to care for it. If the God who made everything and made you as the pinnacle of everything that he's made, if he cares for birds and for flowers, will he not care for his people? I love quillias. Quillias are my favorite birds because they're so social. Those of you who are from the northwest or Botswana will know what I mean. I believe they're called morahane. They swarm like bees. They are the bird equivalent of the Josie Hustle. They are so busy. They're so hard at work. There's so many mouths to feed. And it's so competitive. And yet they survive. They don't just survive. They flourish. How? Because God cares for them. He cares for each and every one in a swarm of 10,000. He cares for each and every one. How much more does he care for you? You who are made in his image. From late August to the end of September, the red and the gray sands of, Nama- of the Namaquiland Desert explode into color. Some of you will have seen this. It is extraordinary. Flowers, as far as the eye can see, as far, like a sea of flowers. If you were to pick just one, each and every single one dressed better than King Solomon himself. 
God does that for flowers. What is he going to do for you? So every time you see a bird or a flower, Jesus is inviting you to stop worrying and to remember that you have a father who cares. Because, of course, anxiety wants to rob us of that. Anxiety wants to keep our eyes down, fixated. Jesus says, lift your eyes. Look around you. And you will see that you have a father who cares. Look and learn from creation. Second remedy, seek the kingdom. Now, there's been a lot this morning. So if you've heard nothing else, hear this. This is the climax of what Jesus is saying. Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Seek the kingdom. The culture around us chases after material things, but you, O disciple of Jesus, you must chase the things of the kingdom. You must pursue the things of the kingdom. And the irony is this. If you seek the kingdom, rather than material needs, God will give you both. But if you chase, exclusively chase, in that kind of tunnel vision, if you exclusively chase your material needs, you can easily end up with neither. If you chase nothing but your material needs, you can easily end up with nothing but your anxiety. So here's the pointed question for all of us this morning. Are you seeking the kingdom? Is the kingdom your preoccupation? Your burning preoccupation? Or do you just come to church? Because there's a difference, isn't there? Is the kingdom and kingdom interests and kingdom thoughts and words and deeds, is the kingdom your life's ambition, your obsession, your primary concern? Or is it an extramural activity like playing paddle or watching football or cricket or rugby? I'm convicted as I say these things. <laughs> or going shopping. Is it an extra mural? What is your obsession? Is it the Josie hustle? Or is it the kingdom of God? Do you give yourself to the hustle and then give the scraps to God so that he will help you in the hustle? Is that the transaction that's going on? Or do you give yourself to God and trust him for the rest? One sure way of knowing is asking yourself, what am I anxious about? What are my deepest concerns? What are the things that plague me at 2 a.m. on a Tuesday morning? Do kingdom concerns dominate my mental and emotional capacity? Or am I consumed by concern for material things? That will show you if you are seeking the kingdom or chasing what the world chases. Which is it? Jesus says the most important remedy to anxiety, and hear him, the 
the most important remedy to anxiety is to seek the kingdom first and trust your father for the rest. Third remedy. Stay in the present. Jesus was saying this long before it was in the pop psychology. Stay in the present. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The remedies are as practical as the reasons. It is a bad idea to worry about tomorrow. So stay in today. Stay in today. Just think about this with me. If you are listening to this sermon, that means God got you through yesterday. But the day before yesterday, you were filled with anxiety about yesterday. On Friday, you were filled with anxiety about Saturday. And yet here you are on Sunday. Looking back, here on a Sunday morning, looking back, we know two things for certain. God got you through Saturday, and Friday's anxiety did absolutely nothing to help him. Here you are today, and God got you here. God got you through yesterday, and he brought you here. And that's true of every single yesterday you have ever experienced. Now, I'm certain there were some desperately dark days in all of those yesterdays. Some desperately dark days, but he brought you through every single one. Every single one. God's faithfulness is multiplied across every single yesterday in your entire life. Surely that should give us the confidence to face tomorrow. Surely we can trust him. He's proven himself faithful across every single yesterday in our entire lives. Surely we can trust him for today and tomorrow. The journey of faith is about the next step and just the next one. We are not called to have enough faith to get to the end. We are called to have enough faith to take the next step. We only need enough faith for today. The life of faith is a call to trust God for today, as long as it is called today. That brings us to our next remedy. Pray to the Father. Jesus doesn't say it in this passage, but he's already said it in the sermon. Just a few verses before. Take your anxieties to God in prayer. Just a few verses before. Our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. There it is. Trusting God with all of life for today. Like Israel in the desert who needed to trust God for manna from heaven just to survive. We are called to trust God in the wilderness of this life with everything. Starting with our most basic needs. The way we express that trust is by asking him in prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. The Apostle Peter says the same thing so clearly. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. That he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that a beautiful summary of what Jesus is saying? 
Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How do we do that? In prayer. The Apostle Paul says exactly the same thing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It should not be that you and I have any peace living in this world. And yet there it is. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying what his master said. He's saying that when you take your anxiety to the Lord in prayer, he will replace that anxiety with peace. He will lift that burden off of you and give you peace, a peace that transcends understanding in how many of us in this room can testify to the truth of that. What a wonderful promise. Jesus says, do not be anxious. Take your daily needs to your Father in prayer. Why wouldn't we do that? Let's take God at his word. Final remedy. And I know there's someone in the room who has a hallelujah just on the tips of their tongue. Final remedy, care for each other. Jesus says, do not be anxious three times. Every time he says it, he says it in the plural. He's not just speaking to individuals. He's speaking to a community. He's speaking to a family, just like this one. Anxiety is a collective responsibility. That means that dealing with anxiety is a collective responsibility. How do you think God answers our anxious prayers about our daily needs? How does he do it? Well, more often than not, I mean, he can do it any way he pleases, of course. He's God. But more often than not, he uses our brothers and sisters in the family. He reaches through them to us. We are the instruments of love in his hands. He uses us to care for each other and to lift the burden of anxiety off of a brother or a sister. I could tell you a thousand stories. We could be here even longer than we've already been here. School fees paid, rent paid, food parcels distributed, shelter offered, a car serviced, a job opportunity found. The list goes on and on. 10,000 acts of kindness. People in our church family, often with very limited means themselves, helping a brother, helping a sister. And as they de deal with material need, what do they do? What are they doing beyond that? They're actually lifting the burden of anxiety off of this person so that this person is free to worship God with an undivided body, mind, and soul. There's even more. There's grace upon grace because when you care about the needs of others, it removes the anxiety about your own needs. It gives you perspective on your own needs. It helps you to put them in their proper place. It helps us to dethrone that idol in our own lives when we care for the needs of others. So you are not just meeting a material need. You are removing an idol. 
You are freeing a person to give themselves fully to God in thanksgiving. And you are freeing yourself in the process. It's enormous. It's life-changing. Are you available? Are you available to be part of this community of practical love? Because as a final remedy to anxiety, Jesus has given us each other. The next time you're tempted to give in to anxiety, look and learn from creation. Seek the kingdom. Stay in the present. Pray to the Father and care for each other. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to be anxious about our needs. Our Lord has given us remedies. He has given us reasons. Most of all, he has given us access to our Father by his Spirit. Our Heavenly Father who cares for us. Let's thank him for all he's given us. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that by his blood we can call you Father. Thank you that you are a Father who cares. Who cares for us body, mind and soul. Father, we are so sorry for the times when we have devoted ourselves to material things over and above eternal things. We are so sorry for worshipping our needs instead of worshipping you. Please forgive us. Please free us from anxiety. Father, be merciful to those in our family who are struggling and are fixated by their need. Use this family as instruments of your mercy to meet that need and to free them to worship you. Help us all to trust you with all of our needs for today, as long as it is called today. And above all else, help us to seek the kingdom. We pray in the name of the King. Amen.